there's so many things you can't measure, right? Like, so metrics really screw you on this because you think a million people have watched a video of yours or a thousand people, but you have no idea of the impact. So we had a, a student once who's like, who loved learning from us so much that in their will, they put aside a set amount of money. It was a lot of money. It was like a five figure amount. So that could be used by his partner to continue learning from us, right? Like, that, I mean, that's the impact you can have. Does this person engage heavily on social media with us? No. Do they open every email? Sometimes, right? So if I'm looking at this going, wow, I'm not really doing well because I don't have the numbers and my organic reach isn't very high. Maybe I'm not doing very well. I should probably just stop. You're screwing yourself. Matter a lot to few. Hey everyone, it's Vaughn. Welcome. Let's talk about organic reach. We're not going to focus on paid. And if you don't know what organic reach is, this episode is definitely going to help you, especially if you're laying out the foundations for your business currently, or maybe you have a business and you want to know, how do I get some more of that free traffic, baby? Traffic is simply visitors to your website or people who are becoming aware of you through impressions or reach. Okay. So listen, we are a metrics obsessed society. How many Instagram followers do you have? YouTube views? What's your email list size, right? How many widgets did you sell last month, right? Listen, numbers do not matter in this sense. And they, well, they do matter and they don't matter because it's a slippery slope towards disappointment, not enlightenment in the reason you started your business or your journey. There's a good saying in network marketing, width for show, depth for dough. Simply put, you focus on mattering a lot to a few people. Now, I'm going to share with you how I get in front of 624,563 people, plus or minus, every year, all right, from various sources. And that's free. I don't pay for that. I get a lot more traction outside of what you can pay. Now, in business entrepreneurship, the key really is to find 10, 100, and maybe a thousand people who'd be so angry if you stopped doing or selling what you're selling that they would petition you to start again. That would be a very successful business. So really, does 10 million views on a video really matter? I mean, you may think it does, but not all views are created equal. So I want to start off with the sort of philosophy of understanding what one single person visiting your site means. And it's always impact rather than you trying to impress people with your vanity metrics. So when I spout out a number that's over half a million, it doesn't really matter. It It is what it is. It's big, maybe comparison to someone who hasn't started out, and it's small compared to some of the biggest YouTubers who'd probably cry if that's how many views or people were seeing their content, right? So it's always relative, and that's the thing. You see, everyone starts off at the beginning. Everyone starts off with no one paying attention. Everyone starts off with not having a lot of traction or zero traction. But here's the thing. We have to figure out how to convert people into customers that know, like, and trust us and love doing business with us, love what we do and what we're about. And that, that whatever product you create, whatever thing you have to offer, they will willingly come back to and for. Now, in our business, and I say our business, my wife and mine, and some of the other side projects I have, and then my own other companies that I've established or invested in, I know that we've 
done such a good job in so many respects, not only from the, there's so many things you can't measure, right? Like, so metrics really screw you on this because you think a million people have watched a video of yours or a thousand people, but you have no idea of the impact. So we had a, a student once who's like, who loved learning from us so much that in their will, they put aside a set amount of money. It was a lot of money. It was like a five figure amount. So that could be used by his partner to continue learning from us, right? Like, that, I mean, that's the impact you can have. Does this person engage heavily on social media with us? No. Do they open every email? Sometimes, right? So if I'm looking at this going, wow, I'm not really doing well because I don't have the numbers and my organic reach isn't very high. Maybe I'm not doing very well. I should probably just stop. You're screwing yourself. So I need to pre-frame all of this so you understand that the numbers, they do matter. They also don't. It's really important you understand you need to know what to gauge for yourself to know if you're on track. Because honestly, I didn't even know that was the number until I recorded this episode. I don't keep track of that. I just get reports from Google, from emails across the board, from Facebook, from YouTube, from uh, Google impressions, from Instagram on what I'm doing. But I don't really look at these numbers as, as a sort of key metric because at the end of the day, I've definitely found working with a core group of people and really putting love and attention into them makes a huge difference to your income. And then it can be easily to think that, well, when I go online, when I create a website, when I create a blog, when I put out content via video and audio and graphics, wow, I'm reaching all these people, but nothing's happening. And that is the problem we're all trying to solve. So don't stress out if the impact you're having in the beginning doesn't feel the same. You don't know who's watching what you're doing. And I get people coming up to me all the time who are like, or they email me and they're like, that, that thing you put out, even if it was a few years ago, really made a difference in my life. I really appreciate it. All the comments say, I really like the videos you're putting out. I'm like, wow, you never comment, like, or subscribe to anything I do. So, wow, thanks for saying that because it, I put that out and literally had no comments on it, you know? So be very careful with these numbers I'm throwing around and weighing yourself against that. Okay, so the power is in the quality and the type of person behind the product, service, or business. So that's you what you deliver, your integrity. And so it's always about that, putting out the passion behind what you do, putting out the intention behind it to make it really powerful rather than just you know putting out content just for content's sake. Now, having said that, you need to be consistent and you definitely need to have a, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in automation. So the more you can automate your content to go out to many people, which I will talk about, how did I get those numbers? Where did they come from? This show is definitely for you today. Now, if we look at the idea of these numbers, let's look at organic reach. So organic reach is an interesting idea. It's essentially how people find you. Like if you were walking down the street, I know I lived in London for two years and you'd walk down the high street and you'd see an interesting store. And the first store I remember that popped out to me, like it's, it's amazing. Obviously, if you've never heard of this store, it's called Selfridges. And if you haven't heard of this store, wow. When you go to London, check it out on Oxford Street. In fact, the uh, series on the Selfridges with Jeremy Piven is awesome. Like it is such a good series. You should watch it. American entrepreneur went to London and founded or basically created the retail industry in London. But, you know, even his starting point was tumultuous. It was laden with, you know, problems and debt and trying to repay people. And this, you know, the class system over there did not reward entrepreneurship so friendly, but he created this brand that still stands today and is iconic in the fashion world. And the building is absolutely stunning. 
But the point is, as you're walking down the street, you see this thing, you go in, wow. Now, did they advertise to get you? Well, no, that was an organic reach, right? Like you just, you just stumbled upon it. And on the internet, that's the same thing. And you have to imagine the internet, it is a web, the World Wide Web. Well, what is a web? Well, you can imagine a spider's web. In the middle, you've got the center point. Let's say that's your website, okay? And all of the the shape of a web is, is not a circle, right? Typically, it's all fancy, crazy patterns spiders create, which is amazing. But, you know, let's say it's just like a hexagon going out um, or an octagon. And so you've got all these different rungs going outwards from the center. And so it's sort of irrelevant how people get to you because you're going to have spaces that will have more lanes of traffic or, or be thicker parts of the web than others. But that's okay. It all matters because you couldn't have the web without all sides. So when you look at traffic, it's it's a bigger it's a bigger approach, but you don't have to target everything. So let me I'll unveil very quickly like exactly what I do because I'm I don't want to do all the work all the time for everything and like burn myself out. All right. Can you relate to that? You do not want to like you need to do what you love to do, but you also need strategy. This is an important idea for you to think about. The strategy can be very simple if you just understand a few basic things. So I'm not an SEO expert. And SEO is search engine optimization. So whenever you look at something that's called organic reach, it's so it's you when you go to a website like Bing, Google, DuckDuckGo, any type of search engine where you put a query in, like where do I find white shoes or Thai food and you've just moved to a new city or you're searching for something specific, well, what comes up? Results. What are those results? Those results are websites or blogs. And so you as a business owner are trying to link your business or space under that. So as an example, having a .com is awesome. It's called a top tier domain. But on the back end of that, what content's on the website? And so this is where you have to think about, are you searching? Well, I'm not going to get into search engine optimization today. I don't think that's the space to play in. I just want to help give you the overarching strategy area. So if you have a .com uh, or .your country code, that's totally cool, especially if you're like a local business. If you're a brick and mortar burger shop, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for you to need to worry about like you're going to geo-target. You're going to target for your city when you advertise. You're going to target for your city when it comes to organic reach because you don't need people in Abu Dhabi trying to buy your burger if you're in Melbourne, Australia, right? So so what you end up doing is specializing in that space and wanting to be in the top search results for burgers in that area. When you're online and you're creating a course, it's a much bigger game. And so you've got to be a little bit more smart. You've got to have a lot more impetus to want to do a few smarter things up front. So over the past few years, all I've ever really focused on is we've got the domain in the middle or my website in the middle and then the web around it. And what is the web around it? For me, it's the blog. I've got over, I would say now, 250 blog posts on two different websites. But it's not just that. It's also videos on YouTube and then videos that go onto Facebook search. But Facebook's a bit funny because it's its own platform. Doesn't really, you, unless you log in, stuff doesn't really show up on, on Google as well. But the point is, is that you need to think about your strategy a little bit and go, okay, how do I position myself and separate myself from other people? Because imagine this, when you go to buy something, you don't actually need, if you're buying a product, you don't need to like the store owner to buy the product. If you're buying a service, you're testing them and you're testing them to see 
do I like this person enough to come back? Do I like this person that I want to keep coming back? And it's not necessarily a price point decision. That's just sort of gets them in the door. It's always about that relationship, but you need to be able to get that relationship, right? So if somebody comes to your website, your job is to get them to come into the door. That's the key. If they can come into the door, whatever way you've done that through a marketing idea or campaign, cool. Then you build that relationship with them and you want them to keep coming back. That's the idea of a service business. So your books get filled up and you have repeat income and you can keep going. Now, one of the important things is you want organic reach on this to really help you out. And so how do you differentiate between the person that doesn't know you but sees your website and then looks at your competitor or someone else's website and how do they decide between the two well very simply you want your website to look good that's very important we get ridiculous amounts of people saying we chose you based solely on your website i mean that's the that's how low the bar is so some of the strategies i'm talking about and the things that we go through these podcasts are so advanced compared to the fact that people just make a decision based on Duh, you got some awesome smiley photos on there and the site looks clean and it was easy. And wow, it just looked professional compared to your competitors because people aren't doing this, right? They're not paying attention. But to get those people onto your site, what do you do? Well, for me, I think one of the most important things is to treat your website as a brochure. So the brochure is glossy. It's nice. The type, I mean, think about a business card that you've had in your hands before. You can tell the type of business it is by the way it's touched, right? By the way it feels, by the look, the typography, the logo. And you don't think it matters? It absolutely matters. It sends a subconscious message about you care or you just maybe don't or you have no idea what you're doing. I remember seeing a business, uh, I can't remember the name, but let's just imagine, we'll make one up now. We'll call it Curtains for You. But instead of writing four is in the you know the words it's the number four and you so curtains for you what would you think of that business if it was handed to you on a recycled piece of uh cardboard you might think oh they're environmentally friendly but if it was flimsy and it said curtain for you and a number four and looked like my three-year-old daughter had drawn the logo you'd you probably wouldn't use them right and so the branding side matters so your website's a blush a, a glossy brochure okay it's not necessarily there to drive sales, but I mean, it is. It's like a check. There's a checkout. So you've got a website, you then have a shop, and then you have a blog. That's sort of like three key areas of a website. Okay. And a shop is designed to do what? Literally, like you walk into a shop to check out. And would you like to buy fries with that? Right. Like it's got upsells, downsells. You've got different ways you can engage people. You can put coupons in, discounts. So a shop on a website is a little bit different in its functionality. And by the way, just a little side thing, the majority of people, who, the majority of conversions, which is people who come to your website and buy or don't, are lost on a shop front, okay? They're lost at checkout. That's where the majority are lost. So getting them to your website is one thing. That's what we're talking about with organic matters and reach. And then getting them to check out is another problem to, to work on. That's called conversions, okay? And so that's not often that difficult depending on what you're doing in terms of marketing and what, what market you're serving. So then we have the blog side of things and blogs are not designed to sell, all right? So now here's the thing. Blogs matter because they're like a website, they're like a newspaper or a magazine. So when you're sitting at a hairdresser or you're sitting at a dentist and you're reading a magazine and you're sort of ignoring the ads, but the ads are there that fund the actual magazine, you're reading articles, right? And the articles are interesting. You might go, wow, I'll share that with my friend. Well, that's the purpose, right? It's to educate you. It's to 
position you as an expert in your space. And the content doesn't even need to be yours. But what it matters for and why I'm framing it like this for you is that that is what's going to get you the visitors from Google searches, Bing searches, any type of relevant website. If this is 20 years from now, whatever current search engine is rocking out, that is what's going to help build and boost your brand. Because at the end of the day, even if you have a weird.com name, that's not what matters as much anymore. It's the backend content and the SEO behind it that powers it. So how many people link to your website? So if there are a thousand other, if you sell shoes and you have a thousand other shoe websites that are really popular and they all have a link back to yours, Google is going to realize that's a big thumbs up. Thank you very much. They're obviously good. Social proof is there that you're a good website. And then you've got it laid out well, it loads easy, the graphics aren't heavy and big. All of those little things matter, right? Okay, so the name is a little less important in this sense because what you're focusing on with organic reach is creating content that people want to engage on. So you want a blog site that people can come to as a positioning, uh, positioning yourself as an expert. So you have the, I suppose, relevant content that people want to digest and that they come back to and go, wow, what else do you have? And every time, so here's the beauty. Every time you engage with a the customer, they're going to tell you a problem. You need to flip your brain and go, that's going to be my next thing I talk about. And you can decide, I'll record that and then get it transcribed into an audio and then get that transcribed into a, uh, a PDF, for example. And so that can become your blog. So if you don't like writing, there's plenty of other ways around this. Don't ever be blocked by the fact that you don't like doing the thing. So what happened for me is I have a couple of websites that are running at the moment and the blogs themselves once they're created, whether I've written them, had them transcribed, or I've embedded a video onto them, I then share that across my social media platforms. And I like Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I don't really use anything else. And I've gotten close to a million views a year, you know, like, well, I should say over half a million views a year organically. And now if we define something really quickly, there are impressions, which is how many uh, thousands come to your website. So it's, well, CPM is cost per thousand. So CPM is an advertising metric, but essentially an impression, let's say you visit a website, but you keep going back to it, that would count as one impression. And if you go back again, that's two impressions, then three impressions. So impressions are a little bit different to say reach. Reach is like how many people, separate people saw your website. And then you've got clicks, how many people actually clicked on and went into your website. And then that, you know, so when you're looking at clicks versus impressions, it's going to be very different. I have a, a YouTube channel that has like millions of impressions. But what does that matter, right? If people aren't clicking to watch the content, do you see the difference? And so what we want to really focus on in these metrics matter, right? Like you want people clicking on your site. So it's all well and good being exposed to millions of people. But if nobody's clicking, well, then you've got the wrong audience, right? Or you're not you're not having the right type of content that's engaging enough. And there's something called clickbait, which is often what annoys people on the internet. And that is like a, a grossly exaggerated headline, but it's so intriguing and controversial or shocking that you just click it because you go, oh, wow, what's this about? And then you're disappointed because what it, the article or the video was about was nothing like what that headline promised. So that's called a clickbait. And, uh, you know, don't do that, especially in blogs. It's tempting and you think it works for a while. Then you get the good old 
Facebook slap <laughs> so, or Google slap. So don't, don't bother with that. So if we look at um, what I would say for me personally, why in the past few episodes I've talked about my blog so much is because any video I create becomes multiple pieces of content because I like to leverage my time. I don't want to take as much time away from my family as I have to. And I, I know full well the depth you can go when it comes to creating content. And if you re look, put it this way, I have a, a, a framework, like a template. I was like, if I have one video, what are all the things I can do with this? And, and I started breaking that video down into like nuggets, like little little pieces you can give away, little bits of information into graphics. So you've got like infographics, you've got quotable quotes. You've got audio uh, audio snippets as well that you could put out. My God, like the list is endless. And, and you think, oh, that's just three parts from a video. But then if you took 40 seconds from each video and then do a top and tail, so like cool captioned words under it, or you could then put like new or uh, like if you've got a video, you could then put more videos on top of it. Like if your video was on motivation, you could start putting waterfalls and freaking fairies in a rainforest on top of it, right? Like you could repurpose the entire video. So like one video can make so much content, it's crazy. And then if you think about all the platforms that are available, you could put it across all of them, you know? And so that's so time consuming, isn't it? So hence why I come back to this idea of when you start out from the beginning, you catalog what you do. So if you create one blog post and you share it and get two people watching it, well, you should celebrate that, right? Like two people watching it fantastic right that's two human people that's that's awesome right now did they buy from you well that that's not mm -mm. organic isn't about that i don't believe anyway because organic is like a, a long-term branding strategy and if we think about the land asset uh idea i talked about earlier in like one of the first episodes you need to create your own land grab so essentially you've got your own website you're building an asset on it and that asset would be say a house so it's got a foundation it's got the plumbing it's got the walls it's got everything in there you decorate it so that's the look but you need something to live off and the living is the organic side that's what you plant that's the seeds and what you plant out is what you get to live off and organic to me is that it's but it's long term like it takes a long term to establish a farm it takes a long time to establish uh, whatever you need to live off that land from and to get the systems in place to do to live off it long term for generations right and that's exactly how the internet operates so you're not going to see the fruits of organic this is why paid advertising is so good too because it's so instantaneous you get feedback immediately you can know if an offer's converting and then it, then you can iterate off that but i i want to digress to something that i remember seeing recently that you can probably relate to so a few years ago the way people would buy their buying behavior was pretty simple people would search for a term say airpods and they would go that great airpods would come up and then they would click oh this looks good and they would buy it and now what happens is people will search for something and maybe they still type in airpods but rather than you know, go straight to say the Apple website, they might look at that, but they also might then go onto eBay or they might go onto where else? Amazon. I mean, where would you go? So what occurs is, and in a, in a service industry space, like if you're a freelancer or a service provider of some sort or, or somewhere where people are paying you for your time, 
what, especially if it's a product. Okay, so products are a little different in, in a lot of ways, but let's just take this as a base example. They might find your website, but the first thing they'll do is they'll go to like social media. So they'll look at you on Facebook and I've done, I do this myself. I'll go, oh, their website sounds, they look awesome. They're delivering a promise that matters to me. They've got blogs that, oh, cool. I like that idea. Nice blogs. I don't really read all of it. I'll go to their social media. Do you do this, right? Like I'll go to their Facebook. I'll go to Instagram and I'll go to YouTube. And do you know the first thing that happens? If I go to Facebook and their post was from two years ago, immediately, the f- that's a massive strike in my book. And it's not because I know any different. I just don't trust it now. Don't you feel the same? Like why you, you sort of think, are they out of business now? Are they not? What's going on? So the social media aspect matters. So you've got to pick the platform you want to play on. But then you auto schedule everything. Okay. I'm going to keep stressing this. If you create one blog, let it live forever, right? Let it keep breathing life into it. You got to be aggressive because whatever you post on Facebook dies in an hour. So you need that post to keep getting rescheduled and republished on a calendar. It's really, really important, but you don't have to, you just do it automatically. That's how I've built, you know, 624,000 people coming to my site. Because that blog getting more views, let's say, so for example, I create a blog, I then put it into my publisher, my publisher publishes it to where? Facebook, Instagram, that's pretty much it. It's mainly Facebook. People like and interact it. And because I have an audiences or audiences on Facebook, it's always going to be shown to different people and not everyone sees the same thing twice. So it doesn't matter if you keep repurposing it, but if people keep visiting my blog, because the link is to go to my blog, yeah. Google seeing, oh, that's traffic. People are coming there. It starts to boost it. So the other flip side is people might go onto Google and start to type in how to do X. And I've written a blog, how to do X. And so if I've got multiple places visiting my site and then people are searching for how to do X and I have blogs on that, it's going to score higher. So this is why blogs are so smart because they're content that's relevant, it matters, and typically they're topics towards your ideal market that they already want to know answers to. And people need it because they're not just going to trust your website. So because remember, look, how many times have you picked up a glossy brochure and go, wow, that looks good, but you've never, ever called them or booked. Why? Because that's what a website is. It's positioning. You're an expert. You're in your space. You look awesome. You got testimonies on there, everything bang, but they're not ready to buy right now. But what they might do is do what? Well, let's check out what else you got. They go to your social media. Okay, you're relevant. You've got a post from today or yesterday on there. Wow, you're still in action. Oh, look how many people are now following you. That's cool. That's a different thing to talk about, how to gain that audience. But whoa, okay, I'm not really ready to buy now, but you've got a really good offer on your blog. So therefore, I'm going to be on your email list. And the whole reason I make these blogs is to do what? Like I've said earlier, it is to build out my email list because there's no way I got to the 100 grand without my email list. In fact, I had a thousand people on my email list to make that money. It wasn't paid ads and it wasn't organic reach that built me that cash. That's what you need to understand as well. It's the back end of that. So as a sort of idea here, if you had like a triangle, the top of the triangle, you have traffic. And remember, there's two types, paid and organic. We're talking about organic. Organic is massive. It's There's there's anything on the interweb that you search for or use to search, whether it's Quora, Reddit, any type of massive, you know, blogging type of thing, whether it's Etsy, whatever. That is 
part of search. Okay. So pretty much anything that you digest content from or read from, that's considered like a search idea, right? Or a blog idea or somewhere where your content can lie. The left-hand side, the, the left-hand side of the triangle down the bottom there would be your blog, your content, your website. That's where people would now come and go, wow, oh, look, I saw your post on Reddit. And they go to your blog and go, okay, this person's a topic expert. They're really good at what they do. They're very passionate. I like the way they they got some spelling errors, but you know their content's really good or I like their video. That's cool. What What's next? The key there, the key there, the key there, the key there is to get them on your email list because without that, you don't have your own land asset and you could be shut down at any point and your search results can diminish. Mine can go down and up based on what an algorithm change can happen in any social media platform. I, can, I had way more views on YouTube and they've also dropped because the algorithm changes. Not because my content's any better or worse, just changes, right? And it's just, you can't control that. Hence why you don't lie, rely so heavily on the vanity metrics because they change so much and you can't do shit about it. Except what? Create quality content consistently because long-term it's how you establish yourself. And by the way, like forget, forget the strategy side you become a weapon, right? Like you become really good at connecting to people and understanding how to deliver a message that matters and impacts them. And the more impact you make, the more your income will go up. And so at the end of the day, it is always about that. Because if you rely solely on the vanity metrics and going, oh, I've got to get 20,000 on Facebook to like me. I've got to get 135,000 reach. It doesn't actually matter if you don't understand that you need to get people into some type of funnel so they can start focusing in on what you're writing. And you can also start weeding out the people who are not your ideal clients. So think about it like this. Have you ever opened an email that you went, I don't like this person, you unsubscribed? Of course you have. What about the people you haven't done that for? And maybe you don't engage with them that often, but every now and then you open up like, yeah, I, I still like your content. I still like your stuff. Does that happen very often for you? I know it does for me. And then a couple of years down the track, maybe they send an offer and you're like, I like that offer and you buy it. Maybe you don't even use the offer, but you bought it. This is how sales work. So my question to you is, should you get disappointed when your reach isn't as big as you think? And what do you think you should focus on when you're establishing yourself or you're wanting to rebrand or you're wanting to get more organic reach? What is the actual thing you need to do? Now, it can seem like an overwhelming amount of effort to do all of this, but this is where I hate to be, the coach side of things. If you can't be bothered, then go get a job because your mission should always be to serve. This is just a way of serving. I'm not suggesting you go and create 400 blog posts because that's that's crazy. This is just an art you do over time. you got to pick a medium. Is it going to be audio for you? Is it going to be video? Do you see the merit in creating videos? Is it going to be uh, writing? It's really only one of those three at the end of the day. Some people love writing. And so I would suggest do what I did. For about three and a half months, I wrote a blog every day. And to this day, I still publish those all the time. And then I create videos. I like video because video can become audio and that can become written word when it's transcribed. And then you can use that for many, many ways. So you got to pick a medium that you like. You might say, I hate video. Well, then don't do it. I hate writing. Okay, well then do audio. 
oh, what will people think of my voice? Okay, you see, this is now why we get into the psychology of things on these podcasts, because now you're talking about different mental issues that have nothing to do with strategy. And this is what stops most people. So one advice I would give, and I give it to myself, when I feel doubt and when I feel like I can't do it, or I feel like, oh, what are they going to think? Is this the right content? Is I just do the work? Like I start recording and then off I go and I publish. And the good thing is most people don't listen in the beginning. And I actually don't want to know how many people are really listening or watching because I don't want to be intimidated and then start to think, oh God, what do I do with that? What do I do? Oh no, because it can actually paralyze me to not do anything. You ever heard of the term analysis paralysis? It's very real. So you need to be very careful of what you're delivering. Uh, but you also need to sort of give zero fucks on the outcome, <laughs> you know, like to just think, you know what? I'm doing this for me because I'm building a better version of myself. I'm going to do this because it also impacts people, but primarily it's the thing that's going to help drive me to get towards my goals, which is a very healthy thing to do. And that's why I love ideas, business, and all that. These are just tools that we have to help have a bigger reach. And you just don't know. Like I had a student in Zimbabwe once. I couldn't believe it. He'd be turning up to live events that I'd be doing and saying, thank you so much for doing this because nobody's doing what you're doing where I am. And so you just don't know the impact that that would have on that person's life. And if I just got in my way every day and thought, what are they going to think of me? I'm not ready today. I've just got to, I've got to feel good before I do it. Well, then I've just made a disservice to that person. And honestly, that's why you should not be in business because business is about service. It's about producing a profit so you can maintain service quality and then expand that service out beyond where you are. People get that confused a lot. So it's very important that you sort of treat what you're doing almost as a a sort of therapy like to see it as a way of, you know, you're figuring out you and you're figuring out your problems within your market that every customer is coming to you with anyway, and you're figuring it out together. And that's what I find myself. Often the mistakes that happen with coaching that I make or mistakes that I find clients make or mistakes that happen just in the process birth always a better idea. And that's actually the beauty of half of this. So I guess I'm going to challenge you to go ahead and start creating some content. You may not be ready to launch yet. Create some content. It's amazing how inspiring it is when you actually just pull the trigger. And if you say you don't feel like doing it, that's that's uh, normal, right? Like it's normal to feel that way. What you do is you still create the content, right? Like you just start writing or whip your phone out and just start speaking into it and speak poorly write badly and record terribly, 100%. Like that's just how it is. And over time you'll get better. But you know, what's funny. The best videos that I thought I've done, sometimes I don't get anywhere near as much traction or I don't, people don't, we don't see it the way I thought it was. And then some of the crappest videos was like, oh God, I gotta, all right, I'm doing this. It's not about me. It's about the other people. Come on, come on, come on. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to say? And then I'm thinking about what I'm going to say. So now I don't record and guess what happens? I start talking myself out of it. And that's part of dealing with overwhelm, but I know better. So I hit record, I hit the button and then I start going and then I'll finish and go, I don't think that was very good. And sometimes I'll delete it, but I'll do it again straight away. So if you've got the discipline, feel free to do that, but make sure you do this. Publish, publish it, hit publish, because I'll tell you this, it'll blow your face off 
how many people might say, that was amazing what you just did. And you're like, that was horrible. I was so off point. I was so jittery. For me, that's this episode. I don't think I'm connecting points very well for you right now, but this may be something that lands perfectly for you right now because of the timing in your customer journey and where you're at and what you're doing. But I might look at this and go, that was horrendous. I know I can deliver this better if it wasn't like midnight and I wasn't trying to wake up my kids, you know? So we each have these these struggles we must deal with. We each have these issues we have to overcome. So do the work, do the action, and then iterate it, then make it better. But you can only do that once you release it. So it's really important you do that. Think of your people you're serving, even if you're local, think local, act global, because you got no idea where things may take you, the exposure you may get. One last little uh, thing that's happened, happened to me recently from having a website, which I thought was doing nothing for ages. Like I was like, oh God, but I built it like years ago. It took me three nights in a row, like almost 72 hours of staying up to build this thing. I was very excited because like, yes, because I had to learn how to build this website, which if you want to know how to do that, let me know. Happy to go through that. Send me an audio message of any questions. But I, <laughs> I built this thing. I was super proud of it going, wow, look how cool this is. And then I realized, oh yeah, a website's a glossy brochure. And basically no one calls off glossy brochures because you need to have direct marketing. So you need ways people get into your email list better. You need low resistance efforts, right? You need a blog to position you that gives away free content. And so I knew that, but I wasn't really doing it. And then all of a sudden I got a, a, an email saying, oh, you're exactly the sort of person I need to come and speak at my conference, or you're exactly the person I need to come and help me with my uh, speaking event. I'm like, what? And that's just purely from having it out there. So the other thing is don't let time screw you. Don't think because you haven't heard anything back or you released all this content ages ago and it's got like 20 views or you got a website that's getting like four visitors a month and you're like, it's not doing anything. You don't know who's watching and you don't know who's listening. So that's cool, right? That's that's the hope that we all have that we're making a difference to people that really matter. And if that turns into income, that's great. But let's look a little higher than just the, the vanity metrics of trying to get millions of views and then trying to cram millions of dollars out of sales. Like my goal is to scale to a million dollars. Don't don't get that confused. And I'm going to figure that out some way. But if I'm getting 600,000 people a year seeing my content, coming to my websites, seeing me on social media, that's a combined number, so to speak. And then I pay for advertising and I crank that to a million. That 400,000 extra, for example, absolutely needs to generate sales. Like there's no doubt that that is not a, oh, I hope I impact the world. That's a, I'm making sales, bitch, <laughs> right? Like I got, I've got to make sales because if I'm spending money like that. It it needs the return on investment. Otherwise you're just a stupid investor. So, but when we're looking at organic stuff, like that's where you can get your heartfelt game on. You'd be like, yeah, that's what we're doing. And look, to be fair, your, your ads too can't be like cramming shit down people's throat. But when you're spending money in advertising, you, you, you cannot afford to lose that money. You need to get a client out of what you spend. So that's a different dilemma. And that's why today I'm encouraging you to do the organics because the organic is going to work for you long-term. And it's in three or four years, you go, wow. And you might just, who the hell knows? Like in three or four years, you could just get a call that's like, holy Lord, this person saw one blog post and is now bringing me out to do this weekend. And that's going to lead to this and this and this, and then boom, or you're ending up being on a podcast that just changes the entire face of your life. Like it's crazy. You just don't know. This is why 
you got to get out of your own way, think about the people you're serving and decide to make an impact through the content you're creating and then really go that way. Because then you might be surprised like me to realize, holy crap, like a hundred what is it? 135,000 people are watching me on Facebook on this one page. I've got several pages. I was like, I didn't realize it was that that many people actually, because every time I posted, it'd be like three likes, four likes. I'd be like, what the hell am I doing on Facebook for? But it turns out there's a hell of a lot of people looking at that uh, over time, right? On Google, I've got a site that's doing 90,000 search results and a whole lot of people clicking off that onto my site. And I'm like, that's amazing. I did not expect that from that blog. So I haven't made 9,000 blog posts, right? I've made like less than 100. So you just don't know what you're going to do and who those people are. So what an awesome way to position yourself and build a brand, right? And you don't have to spend 15 hours a day doing this, but the infrastructure might take you a bit in front. And remember in the previous episode, we talked about the marathon, the sprint, jogging, right? Sometimes you just got to sprint your face off to get it set up but you don't actually run a business that way. Other times you're gonna just need the marathon approach where it's like just dribbling out little bits every day towards what you're doing. But I highly encourage you to sort of get off the fence, start producing something and putting it out there. In the beginning, not many people are gonna be watching, but that's cool because in five years from now, you just don't know how that changes just because algorithms change, people might find content put on their website and that builds over time. So, so much you can do. But ultimately, you do need to create this organic side of things as well as the paid side of things because that'll deliver the money you need to actually build your business. And so I really hope you enjoyed today's episode, what we talked about. Look, if you disagree, you don't like what I'm talking about, you think it's totally off track or whatever, like I'm open to listen to what, what you have to say. Leave me a message, an audio message on this site, click the button, send me something in, ask me a question, I'm happy to answer it. In the meantime, go forward, go strongly, and remember to make an impact with the people that you care about.